0: i For you, the demons run and flee at the mention of the name King of
1: Majesty. There is... The love for Kevin's eyes.
2: Verse 15, and now listen, this is, uh, this is what's supposed to happen. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now I want to focus on verse 15. He says, as it happened, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Just as He had fallen before. So that's the subject. So Lord, we pray this morning. Give us understanding. Give us revelation. Lord, we pray. Father, even today, we can impact what's happening in Washington, D.C. We pray, Lord, that You would divide and destroy the tongues of those who would speak lies and seek to deceive the American people. We pray, God, against any violence. We ask for a holy restraint That, God, evil would be exposed, uprooted, cast out. God, we ask for Your holy presence to overshadow. Lord, no one, we pray no one will be injured in this thing like it was last year in Charlottesville. We ask for the mercy of God. We declare our God reigns. Jesus is Lord over Washington, D.C. And so, Lord, we're trusting You to intervene. Spoil the plans of the enemy. All of His plans, God, uncover them, expose them, spoil them. We ask for this. We believe You for it, God. Divide and destroy their tongues, their communication. In Jesus' name we pray. And God bless this word this morning. Amen. Well, for those of you joining us online or, you know, you're here, you're visiting, we, we got started a little bit later today because we had the Moravian love feasts. How many of you were a part of that love feast? It's, uh, what is a love feast? You know, it may sound a little strange. You know, you could get a reputation. What are they doing out at the gathering? Well, they're having having a love feast. It sounds, you know. It's a Moravian love feast and it's breakfast. It's it's a breakfast fellowship. But we discovered that these things they did during the Great Awakenings, during the great camp meetings like Cane Ridge in Kentucky. Anybody from Kentucky? If you are, you have a great heritage because of great revivals that broke out in that state and there are going to be more that are coming. But um, we're also, this day was special because we are at the time of the anniversary of the great Moravian outpouring of the Spirit. There was a great revival. How many of you know that? A great revival that gave birth to even why this place is called Moravian Falls. Now, last week we touched on just a little bit how that there was a time in the Moravians history where they were divided. There was conflict. What's new? That's actually encouraging, isn't it? There was division, conflict. They were persecuted. You can read how they actually were called a hidden seed. They went under they, they were hidden for a number of years. And then they were they went to a, a place. Out of refuge. They were a community. So they sought refuge to uh, escape the persecution. And uh, what happened was they ended up on the land of Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf. There's a Zinzendorf street right across the way. If you go out of here. If you go that way. Now, Zinzendorf, we need to know a little about him. I found out he has a lot in common with us. We have a lot in common with him. But he knew there was more than what they had. There was more to be experienced. You know, in that day, as it is in our day, there were many that focused on the religion of the intellect. You know, if you just know enough. But remember, the Scripture says that it's in the heart where man believes. You confess with your mouth, but the heart. And Zinzendorf believed there was the emotion. We needed the intellect. He wasn't opposed to it. But we needed an emotion. We needed to be passionate for God. Passionate about the things of God. And he believed that. Once he and a childhood friend sought out to, or to actually revive what he called true Christianity. He wanted the real thing. If it wasn't the real, he didn't want anything to do with it. How I many of you know that's where our millennials are today? If it's not real, they don't want anything to do with it. And, but he also had a strong belief on the Word of God. Everything had to be based on the Word. Now, if you were here last week, this place was flooded with the Word of God. Bobby Connor just spills out the Word. I mean, it just bubbles out of him. But the challenge is, we need the water to boil. Isaiah, oh God, rend the heavens. That you would come down. You would make your name known to your adversaries and cause water to boil. We need the fire turned up so that the water would boil. Now, to go back in history, the Moravian Church, how many of you know who founded the Moravians? I'm going to get to the Word, but John Huss. You ever heard of him? John Huss. It was in the 1500s. See, originally, they were called the Bohemian Brethren, or the United Brethren. Now, John Huss had a lot... He was a lot like we want to be. He was a threat to the religious order of the day. The Catholic hierarchy... He didn't agree with some of the things and he stood up and spoke the truth. And so they arrested him and they executed him. And in fact, he was burned at the stake. But he was a man of God. He was a prophet. He had dreams and visions. Now listen to this. On the day of his execution, he prophesied. He said, this day you shall roast a goose. But a hundred years hence you shall hear a swan sing that you shall not roast. You know what happened 100 years later after his death? It was our friend Martin Luther. He preached Wittenberg University, and it birthed the Reformation. It was two years after that that he nailed the thesis on the Wittenberg door. Now the Moravians prospered during the Reformation. How I many of you know America prospered during the Reformation? That's where we. That's where our roots came from. The Constitution. Well, actually began by the, the influence of the Reformation. Men and women that stood on the truth trumpet, and they trumpeted the gospel. That's how we got our constitution. Now, they ended up on Zinzendorf's property. They called it Heronhood. The word Heronhood means under the Lord's watchful care. Now, there are a lot of similarities that I believe he had with us. Number one, he envisioned... Now, listen to this. He envisioned Heronhood would spark... A revival that would spread to many denominations and many nations. If you've been around here, we believe that God's going to do something right here that's going to spark. He's already doing something in Tennessee. God's no respecter of persons. If He can do it over in Greenville, He's going to do it in Moravian Falls. And Winston-Salem. And Raleigh. And Baton Rouge and Charlotte and Jackson, Mississippi. He's going to do it in Detroit. Can anything good come out of Detroit? You ain't heard the rest of what's going to happen in Detroit. I'm just telling I don't know. I don't, I, he's no respecter. It's those that grab hold to Him. And they believe. And Zinzendorf grab hold. Did you know... I read this in this book. Do you know where we got the two-day weekend? It's because of those who worshipped on Saturday, the Sabbath day, and those who worshipped on Sunday, the first day of the week. And so... Instead of trying to choose sides, somebody said, well, why don't we just let them both worship and we'll create a two-day where you're off from work. Amen. Thank God for the seventh day and the first day. And, we, you know, that's where the two-day weekend came from. Well, anyway, Zinzendorf appointed pastors and he encouraged. Now, here's what else he did. He encouraged the people to pray for a gracious outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If you've been around here, we've been asking and asking and believing and we're standing we believe, for an outpouring. Then guess what happened? August the 13th, 1727, their prayer was answered. The Holy Spirit fell upon the Moravians. The pastor was trying to preach that day, but he couldn't preach. He fell out under the power of God. Suddenly, the whole congregation sank to the floor. They all fell out under the power of God there was a great outbreak of the Holy Spirit. Zinzendorf said that was their day of their outpouring. It was the day when the Spirit fell upon the Moravians. There were miracles. Cancers were healed. Tuberculosis was healed. Many diseases were healed. They had all kinds of things happen. They started out with a small group of prayer. Then, when revival came, guess what happened? Prayer exploded. They, there were 24 men and 24 women that signed up to pray one hour a day. Then it moved to 77 people signed up. That prayer meeting—how many of you know? How long? How many years it lasted? Most of you know. It lasted for a hundred years. One hundred year. Now that's a serious time prayer meeting. And you know, Psalm 80 says, "Revive us, and we will call upon your name." When the Spirit of God's pouring out, you don't have to beg people to come to prayer. They'll want to be where the Lord is. They'll want to be in His presence. You just can't get enough. It's like when we experienced that little revival in Mississippi. They wrote about it. They put it in some magazines. They wrote about it in the newspaper. And remember that Sunday or whenever it was, they put, God has come to Columbia, Mississippi. And But I remember, you can ask Shirley, and I've shared this, we didn't want to sleep at night. During that little move of God, I would hold my eyes open. I said, God, I don't want to go to sleep. I don't want to miss anything. I couldn't wait to get back to church. Now, when a pastor says you can't wait to get back to church, that's revival. You can bet. And then you talk about missions. You know, they became the largest at that time missionary force in on the face of the earth. And uh, we've heard the stories how they would sell themselves as slaves in order to win the loss. As a result, their prayers were answered. John Wesley, aboard a ship with the Moravians, was impacted greatly. And as a result of that, revival broke out in, in England, the Wesleyan Methodist revivals. It also helped ignite the first great awakening. God answered their prayer. Now, you know, early Americans, when our settlers, these guys that came and they're going west, young man, go west. You know, they believed America should be a Christian nation. And the only way that it was going to happen is if you had most of the people in the country Christian. And the way that was going to happen is if revival would break out. So they prayed. They prayed, God, send the Holy Spirit. It ain't going to happen with your program. We need something to happen, as happened before. Now, we prayed this week, God, do it again. Some people say, well, he just don't want to do what he did again. Listen, that wouldn't be all bad, but God doesn't want to just do what he did again whatever god does in this hour will always be more than what he did before because he's not he doesn't just repeat He's, he's not a copy machine he's not just going to copy he may use these testimonies to encourage us but god wants to send he wants to do it again they knew in america there had to be outpourings of the spirit or america wouldn't last now Our little rendezvous through history. Do you know who was called the father of modern revivalism? Charles Grandison Finney in the 1800s. Just give you one example. He had a man named Father Daniel Nash that took it upon himself to pray for him. And so he somehow teamed up with Finney. Whenever Finney would go into a village or community, Nash would go a few days before, sometimes longer. He'd get just a few people. He didn't need many. And they would lie prostrate on the floor and they would cry out, Oh God, ring the heavens, send the Holy Spirit, pour out your Spirit. And you know what would happen? The Spirit of God was poured out everywhere Charles Finney went. They were testimony. You, you've read the stories. Unbelievable. Outbreaks of the glory and the presence of God in the early days in America. Now they found Nash's Journal. After he died. And here's what he said. He wrote this. He said, I am now convinced it is my duty and privilege and it is the duty of every Christian to pray for as much of the Holy Spirit in our day as came down on the day of Pentecost and yet much, much more. And that's our responsibility. This is not going to happen if we just all of a sudden choose to have a great awakening. We've been wanting that for a long time. It's going to happen when the heavens are rent, and the Spirit of God comes as He did before. When He falls just like He did before. And that's what we read out of Acts 11. Now, when the Spirit comes again. Yeah, I guess if I had a title for this, that would be the title. What do we look for? What's going to happen when the Spirit comes again? Now, why would you preach a message on that? Because I believe the Spirit of God is going to be poured out. Now, I know we're waiting for Jesus But before Jesus comes, He's not coming for a church that's half-hearted, half-awake, dead, you know, bogged down in the world. He's coming for a church that's on fire. A church without spot and blemish. He wants a bride that's ready. The bride made herself ready, it says over in the book of Revelation. Now, Haley was ready for Dylan. If you came to that wedding, she was ready. Dylan was ready. And I'll tell you, we're going to be ready We're going to be ready, going to be ready. God's going to have it that way. And He always does more than what He did before. Everybody with me? We're on the same page, so here's where we go. When the Spirit comes, when there's an outpouring, what's going to happen? When the Spirit is poured out, suddenly the light is going to be turned on. It's a strange way to put it, but not really. You ever ever felt like you were in the dark about something? And all of a sudden, the light came on. And you could see. You could see. In fact, that's going to happen in communities. It's going to happen in cities all over America. I believe with all of my heart. Here's what Genesis chapter 1. The earth was without form and void. And darkness. Say darkness. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering. And God said, let there be light. The stuff that happens when the Spirit of God. So here's what happens when you turn the lights on. If we to come in here at midnight tonight, and we turn the lights on, what's going to flee? The darkness is going to flee. When the light comes on in the church, you're going to see darkness begin to flee America like a whirlwind it's going to flee. Because there's too much light in the land. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be amazing? You know, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Who said we had to temper that light? Who said we had to regulate it or or define it with some religious... Listen, light dispels the darkness. And you are called to be the light of the world. I'm called to be the light of the world. We go in Walmart, demons... You know there got to be a few demons hanging around. You got to be. There's all kinds of stuff happening. I asked a lady the other day, where's the cream cheese or whatever it was I was looking for? Nobody in Walmart knew where it was. I wanted to say, "Where do you work?" You know, I didn't say anything, but I kept looking and I found it it wasn't what I was a strawberry turnover. I don't know what it was. But I was about to turn over because I don't normally go looking for that stuff. And they didn't know where it was. I didn't know where it was, but anyway, darkness flees when you turn the lights on. That's the main thing. Years ago, I got to put now you know, I, I've always said I don't pull messages out of the filing cabinet. But this one I remember, and I'm going to pull it out one day, but I felt like the Lord said when He pours out His Spirit, He's going to pour out His Spirit, number one, on dry places. You know, the bones were very, very dry. Then there'll be dead places. Those bones were dead. He's going to bring life. When the Spirit of God comes, life comes. And then the devil's places. Remember, we've been called to take over, possess the earth. There's going to be one more testimony of believers that are going into places where the devil thought he had free reign, declaring that the kingdom of God is here. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Many of you, you're going to be there. You're going to go to a nation, and you're going to say, the kingdom of God is here. The king is reigning. And stuff's going to begin to flee. And then, dark places. When the Spirit of God is poured out, the light is going to, become, is going to come on. Now, when light comes on, things will be hidden that were hidden in the darkness. Right? What's happening in America? We need to get, listen, we just started. We just scratched the surface. The more the church is awakened, the more the sin will be revealed in the land. Why? Because God, well, first of all, it's the way God is. Light will drive out darkness. It'll pull up, you know, expose things. But also, God wants, He wants the wicked saved. He wants to give them opportunity. When your sins are exposed, you're either going to continue in your sin or repent. And that's what God, God is a loving God. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And then also, you know, you can begin to find your way when the light comes on. And there are many people in America that are, you know, you see them. We walk by them every day, don't we? They can't find their way. They don't know where in the world they come from. They don't know where they're going. And guess what? We have the answer. We have the answer to both. We know where you came from. We know where you're going and uh, we have the light and then the next thing is when revival or when the spirit of god is poured out ordinary people will be filled with wisdom and understanding for the purposes of god god spoke to moses he said and i filled him with the spirit of god in wisdom and understanding in knowledge and in all the manner of workmanship you know we're going to discover again it was not by might it was not by power it's not by man's ingenuity. It's not by our great thinking, our ideas. It's by the Spirit of God. Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? God was with Him, but what else? He was anointed. He was anointed. God wants a fresh anointing to come upon the church in America. There are a few more demons around than there were, probably. Back when this nation was founded. So we've got to be aroused. we got to be awakened. We're not to fear the demons. Demons should fear us. They should, have, they should have your name written somewhere on a bulletin board in hell. Joseph, you know, Camperman, written in hell. That's a good thing. Not because you're going there, but hell is afraid of you, young man. Because of the gospel in you. The power of God that lives in you. Well, anyway... Can anything good come out of America? You bet it can. When the church is awakened and anointed. And He wants to give us. And then when the Spirit comes, men and women will prophesy. They will speak God's Word in season. They have a Word in season. You're going to prophesy. Do you know that? Not only the Moravians. Now, we're not Moravians. Don't misunderstand us watching online. We're not Moravians. We're not anything. We're just believers. That's all we want to be known as. But we live in Moravian Falls. And John Huss, the big, the one who started this thing, was a prophet. He prophesied. It happened exactly. Verse uh, Numbers 11, verse 25, Then the Lord came down in the cloud, and He spoke to him, and He took the Spirit that was upon him, and placed the same upon the seventy elders. And it happened, and when the Spirit rested upon them, that they prophesied. Then then it goes on about Moses. Oh, that the people... You know, the Lord's people were prophets. And in the New Testament, guess what we are? We can all prophesy. Say, I can prophesy. What does it mean? It's not a scary term. When I was a good Baptist, the word prophecy was scary. Tongues was really scary. What do you mean? What's that? Tongues, it had to be of the devil. That's what they told me. You know what I'm talking about. But we can all prophesy. You can all prophesy. I found neither one of them were of the devil. It was God. It was those trying to keep the Holy Spirit. Keep me from encountering the anointing of God. Psalm 68, 11 said, God gave the word, now listen to this, and great was the company of those who proclaimed it. I'm prophesying God's about to raise up a company of people, men, women, children. You see those two guys running around with the flag? That's They're prophesying. They're worshiping. I'm telling you, God's about to raise up a company of people that's going to proclaim the Word of the Lord in America with the fire and the passion and the unction of the Spirit of God once again. It's going to happen. All ages. All God's people can... And then when the Spirit of God is poured out, God's people will find courage... To face impossible situations. You think there's been a few impossible situations? Hang on. If I understand God's Word, this is going to be a great opportunity to demonstrate whether you have faith or whether you just had some imagination of faith. You know what I mean? You know, will the real... You remember that old thing, whoever's telling the truth, stand. Will the real people of the faith stand? It's the way it's going to be, and a great example biblically is, of course, in Judges and Gideon and you know the enemy that was coming against him, but he had faith. The spirit of God came upon him. You know, I found this out in reading this book. I didn't, you know, you don't just know this stuff unless you find out about it. But the Jesuits—all I heard was bad stuff. They—they started with a, I mean, a blaze of glory. A man by the name of Ignatius of Loyola in the 1500s. He was a Spanish knight. He was, walk, he was in war. He got hit by a cannonball. God got his attention. How many of you know if you're walking across and a cannonball hits you, it's going to get your attention. God got his attention. He laid down his sword. He picked up his sword to be a soldier for the Lord. And he, he raised up a, a group of young radical warriors around him that would do anything, go anywhere. They were called Jesuits because they insisted on using the name of Jesus. You know how you use the name of Jesus sometimes? And it's like the atmosphere, you know, you can feel the demons. You know, I mean, you can, like Bobby said, you want to use Allah, you know, they know about it. The atmosphere doesn't... You mention the name of Jesus, stuff gets upset in the heavens. I mean, if you know that. So these guys talked about Jesus all the time. They couldn't shut Him up. Their purpose was to restore the church to its original power. They lived in the world, but they were not of the world. Ignatius called the original followers apostles of the the impossible. No, apostles of the possible. That's what they were called. I shared that a few weeks ago. Would to God that God would raise up another generation who's called the apostles of the possible. Can I just prophesy that over you? You are ordained to apostolic. You know what the word apostolic means? It means to be sent. Okay, so it's nothing spooky. It just means to be sent. You're all about to be sent. I pray God would release an anointing on you that was upon Ignatius, but way beyond, because God always does more than what He did before, that you would be an apostle of the possible in Jesus' name. I release that over every one of you. In the name of Jesus, things that looked impossible are no longer going to be impossible to them that believe. Healings, miracles, signs and wonders that will display His glory. Now, if you received it, do it. Now you know what I found out about Ignatius. He, he believed you should pray as though everything depended upon God alone, but act as if it depends upon you alone. And I realized how he impacted my life because somewhere along the line, somebody told me, and you guys need to know this, when you're preparing a message, you should prepare as if it's all up to you. And then you pray as if it's all up to God, because it is all up to God. But you prepare. You don't just stand there and say, Okay, God, I give my voice. Listen, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that has no need to be ashamed. So we study the Word. We believe the Word. But we pray because it's all up to God. Say, it's all up to God. And then when the Spirit of God comes, the bonds that held people back, things that held people in bondage, are suddenly going to be broken. This is a day the captives are going to be set free. I'll show you. That's what really happens when the Spirit of God is poured out. But remember Samson. He got in a mess. You know, and then he's in a mess. He's tied up. But you know what happened? One more time. And I'm telling you, one more time, maybe maybe according to that guy Sadu, if, if the church gets it, then it's going to be for years and years and years and years. I vote for the latter. That for years and years and years, one more time, God's going to raise up a church in America that not only is going to be free, but set every captive free. Because we have the authority. We're not limited. We do not have the limited edition Jesus. We do not have that one. He's not on sale. We've got the full-fledged Jesus of Nazareth. Greater is He that's in us than He that lives in the world. If you don't get anything out of this... Go out of here remembering you've got the big Jesus living inside of you. You don't have some scrony. You've got the big one. And there's nothing impossible to those who believe. And we're going to break the bonds. You know, if I, re- if I read the Scripture right, He said it was good that He went to the Father because the works that I do, you're going to do, but what? Greater. You know why He said that. There's greater, there's more, but they're greater. I believe there are greater demons being released. You, the book of Revelation talks about it at the end time, these things are going to be unshackled, unreli- I'm telling you. Are you ready? Yes! We're going to be, there's going to be a company that's going to be ready. Now, there's going to be a religious crowd that's not going to be ready. I can just tell you. They're not going to be ready. But you'll be ready. You can go dig them out of the ditch and just lay hands on them. And what took you a lifetime to get, they can get in just about 30 seconds. Because God wants everyone. He wants an army where there are no A-walls. Nobody's AWOL. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, better get on. Then look over, if you would, to uh, Proverbs chapter 1. What else is going to happen when the Spirit of God is poured out from on high? You guys must have eaten too much breakfast because you're awful quiet. And... <laughs> you know, they made grits. I made a comment one time. You know that I like grits. I grew up with grits. We had if you didn't eat grit, you didn't like grits. You didn't eat. Yeah, we did have eggs. My grandmother used to make brains and eggs. Anybody else eat that stuff? You you eat brains and eggs. I ain't gonna eat brains and eggs. When I ate it, and then they told me what it was, and never again. Never I meet grits, but no brains and eggs. It's like the story Bobby told us, but he was somewhere in the world. And they brought him this platter. You know. Okay, go on anyway, she said. Yes, it, that stuff's real. I thought that was just in that movie. Indiana Jones. No, it's real food. Delicacy, yes. Alright, Proverbs. Here's what's gonna happen. Now look at this. This is great. He talks about, verse 23, turn at my rebuke. God's saying, turn. He's saying to America right now, turn. Turn back to me. There's hope. There's an answer. There's life. Surely I will pour out my Spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. When the Spirit of God is poured out, the Word of God is going to become known like never known before. I think I've shared when I was in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, after seminary, I went to Mississippi, met the Holy Spirit. Stuff happened. Anyway, I, I go to Eureka Springs, and I'm a minister of Thorn Crown Chapel. It's a chapel in, in the woods. And they bring tour buses to that chapel to tell the story of how the chapel got there. And I'm the minister. And it was an amazing time. I mean, they had the Gray Line tour buses would come. They probably had 25, 30 buses a day. And I would get to preach the gospel to people from all over America that would come. We had that chapel. Then they would go to the Passion Play. We had a Passion Play in Eureka Springs. And then they would go to Branson. It's not very far away. But people were saved from all over America during that summer. It was incredible. Hundreds and hundreds of people. And so I thought God was going to, you know, I didn't know what He's doing. It was exciting. It's because I was the right man at the right place at the right time. But I remember I, I created a card called... I was going to step out in the world of evangelism. It wasn't about that. God was That's not what God wanted, but I created a card anyway. And it said, Revival of the Word Ministries. That was, that was the name of it. I've still got, it might have been like P.O. Box 544, or something like that, Eureka Springs. I never got one invitation. Not one invitation to go anywhere in this Revival of the Word. I've got one card. I kept them. I was going through my stuff. Not too long ago, and I found one. Well, I'm telling you, it's not what, just for me, it's for you. This is the hour. There's going to be a revival of the Word of God in America. The word of God is going to come alive. When the spirit is poured out from on high, it's going to happen. It's going to happen just like He said. And then when the spirit comes, the land will experience a revival of justice and righteousness. You say, "Where's that? Look with me, Isaiah 32. Isaiah 32. Just a couple more places. Well, maybe more than a couple more, but not too many. But you got to see this. Look in uh, Isaiah 32. We've referenced this before, but I wanted to go back to it because it speaks to where we are. How many of you know there's a lot of injustice in the land? You know, we're praying in this prayer watch. Oh, God, the government does not yield the sword in vain they are to punish evildoers. They're not punishing evildoers. They're rewarding the wicked. You know, and and so we're praying that prayer. We're not going to stop praying the prayer. But the answer is the church coming alive. Because look at this. It says uh, in in verse 10, in the year and some days you will be troubled and uh, you complacent women. That's a complacent church, I believe, is what it's referring to. For the vintage will fail and the gathering will not come. And I believe there are many churches they are there right now. There's no vintage. There's no presence of God. Verse 12, the people are mourning. Verse 13, oh, the land of my people will come up thorns and briars. That's what the enemy has intended for America. The church is going to have something to say about it. Look in verse 15. Until What happens? Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high. Well, then what's going to happen? And then the wilderness will become a fruitful field, and the fruitful field will be counted as a forest. You know what that is? That's the harvest. When the Spirit comes, the harvest. Then, verse 16, "...then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field, and the work of righteousness will be peace." There's not going to be any justice. There's not going to be any righteousness. not going to be ultimate peace until the Spirit is poured out from on high. That's why we're praying what we're praying. That's why we're here. That's why you're in Moravian Falls. That's why you that are visiting somebody I met there from Virginia, Tennessee, wherever, that's why you're here today. God wants to deposit something. Now, when the Spirit comes, the water will flood the land and our children are going to rise up and fulfill their calling. Now we'll just, you can read that on your own. But read Isaiah 44, 3 through 5. What does the scripture say? Anybody right offhand surely knows exactly what it says? Just tell us what it says. Shout it out. Yes, and your descendants, and your descendants, descendants. Hey, listen, there are a bunch of descendants that are, I don't know where they are, but I'm telling you, God's going to get a hold of them. It's part of this outpouring. And He's going to pour water upon a dry and thirsty land. Is there any more dry and thirsty land than America right now? There are many places across the earth. Some of you are watching, you're saying you're talking about America. What about Zaire? What about Zimbabwe? I tell you, you start praying, God's going to visit that dry and thirsty land just like He's going to visit ours. All over the earth. And then when the Spirit of God comes, people will be enabled and sinners will be converted. The church will be enabled. David, Psalm 51, said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Your presence. Take not Your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of Your salvation. Uphold me with Your generous Spirit. Then I will teach transgressors Your ways, and sinners shall be converted unto You. Do you know what's holding back the harvest? Is the church. God, it's, He uses the church. Then transgressors will be converted to You. And then when the Spirit comes... Ordinary believers will all of a sudden become bold as a lion. You say, where is that? Well, that's in Acts. Remember Acts chapter 4. And when they had prayed, the place where they had assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And you remember what they did? They spoke the Word of God with what? With boldness. With boldness. we got to have this kind of boldness. Whatever kind of boldness we had... It's okay maybe for yesterday, but what we need today is the spirit of boldness. We need the Holy Spirit to fall, to equip us, to give us a boldness like we've never known before. Now look over in Luke chapter 4. Just read this. Then we'll go back to Acts. And then I want to share some things we're going to pray. You guys with me? Nobody's asleep. We always tell people if we catch you asleep, we're going to wake you up. This is not a time to sleep. This is the great awakening. This is not some great slumbering. It's not a time. Now, some people, maybe they didn't sleep a wink, and they, all they get is when they come to church. And you know, then we'll cut you a little slack. You know, we'll pray for you because He gives His beloved sleep. Unless He gets you up. He's been getting me up. It's okay, just get up. When I heard that story about Bobby... He comes home from, weird words, he said he preached 30 days in a row, sometimes three and four times a day, He's 75 years old. He wants to go to bed. He goes to bed and the Lord says, get up, Bobby. You know, he's dead. He's, he had nothing left. Oh, God. If, this can, if Bobby can do this at 75, he gets up out of the bed. He goes in. He says it was a time, that's when he started crying. He said the Lord grabbed hold of him. Just started loving on him. Just took him up in his arms. All that tiredness and fatigue went out the door. And he got his strength back. I tell you, just a couple seconds in his presence. It will restore it all. Okay, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Then the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say, upon me. Because he's anointed me. He's given me the unction to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor, to Heal the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed or the downtrodden. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then over in the Old Testament, it's also and the day of vengeance of our God. I don't know why it's not in Luke, but there is both. The, day, the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. Then look over in Acts chapter 2. These scriptures we know very well, but we've got to read them again. Just to, just to incur, you know, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? By the Word of God. That's why we, we have to stick to the Word. I, yeah, I hear people say, I don't know what to preach sometimes. Man, all you've got to do is open the book. I mean, you can open almost anywhere. You can re- just amen, just preach on amen. No, that really, I remember, a black preacher came when I was in seminary. It, it's one message I'll never forget. He preached on Amen. The Amens of the Bible. Let me tell you, it was not a Baptist chapel that day. Glory broke out that day. It was powerful. It was amazing. You'd be surprised at all that the Word says Amen about Amen means so be it. So be it. I'm not going to doubt it. Anyway, Acts chapter 2, and you know the Scripture. And it shall come to pass... Well, If you back up, you know they were all in one place, in one accord. The Spirit of God came. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Then in verse 5, 6, and 7, 8, they all heard the gospel in their own language. All, you know, from all over the earth, the gospel became plain. They became understandable. Then it says in verse 17, And it came to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Say all flesh. All flesh. That means all flesh. Do we have any flesh here this morning? We have a lot of flesh in the American church. That means there's a lot of hope. Now I know it's probably talking about this kind of flesh. But we have a lot of the other kind of flesh. And God wants to demonstrate His power and His love with mere men and women. And then I will pour it on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Any sons and daughters here? Yes! I'm a son. You're a daughter. We get to prophesy. We get to speak the word of the Lord in this hour. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. God, I'm telling you, there's going to be an increase of dreams and visions after this day. You may have had them in the past. God's going to revive and there's going to be a spark. We've got to have dreams and visions. and We've, we've gone over that. There are many reasons. It keeps you from going your own way. It, it gets you on the path going God's way. Give you what to say. I've gotten messages in dreams before. It's an amazing. Now that, that stuff will preach when you get a message in a dream. Stuff, I'm telling you, these are... I was, oh, I've got to stop here. I read a scripture last night. I don't even know where it is. First Peter, somewhere. Oh God, help me remember this scripture. It blew me away. It talked about how we get to preach by the Holy Spirit whom heaven will send. And i would thinking, God, this is great timing because I'm going to get to preach tomorrow by the Holy Spirit whom heaven will send. I'm believing. Yeah. And then the next verse says, speaking of angels who themselves desire to look into. I told Shirley, I said, guess what? Angels are going to be at the gathering today wishing they could be doing what we're doing. Yeah. They, are, they are longing for the days that we're living in right now. I'm telling you, yeah, they all have their part. They're gathering angels. They're ministering spirits that minister to those of us who will inherit salvation. And they have great tasks, but they are really anxious about the task that you have, the commission that you have. And they want to get in on They just want to peek. They want to see what's going to happen in America again. Anybody say amen? amen. I guess you didn't get to read that verse like I did, but I read it, and I just kept thinking about it. When I woke up this morning, I had to read it again. I said, God, this is awesome. You mean they're going to be there today wishing they could be doing what I'm doing? That's amazing. Heaven would love to trade place with the saints on the earth at the end of the age. I'm telling you, there's a great cloud of witnesses. Now, they're going to be rooting for us. They finish their course. But they will be incomplete unless we finish ours. And so we're going to finish ours strong. You're going to finish strong. We ought to create a t-shirt out there and give them away called I Will Finish Strong. We're not going out of here with some wimp. We're not going out. Listen, we may get hit by a thousand cannonballs. So what? We just get up. Hit me again with another cannonball. I'm telling you, that was a powerful story. guy got hit by it. Now, I'm surprised that guy was even alive. Much less get up and serve the Lord like he did. But look at this. I guess I better get back. And on your men and on your maids, servants, I will pour out My Spirit in those days. Guess what that means? It means no woman will be left out. You know, there's some places still they don't know much about. I'm telling you, God knows a lot about it. He wrote about it. On your men, servants, and on your maid servants, I will pour out My Spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And then in verse 19 through 21... Verse 20, we've talked about that before. Since we talk about it so much in the old days, I'm going to skip it. But look in verse 21, because I've already covered that. But look in verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, all the gifts of the Spirit were not to puff us up and make us proud. They were so to equip us for the harvest that's at hand. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I just wrote down some things the other day as I'm thinking about all this. When the Spirit of God comes, the unexpected will all of a sudden be expected. The abnormal will become normal. The impossible will become possible. The unusual will be usual. The out of the ordinary will become the standard. The left out and forgotten will be raised up and used for His glory. The shy will become bold as a lion. The weak will become strong. Some of the weak will become even weaker and trust in the power of Christ that's resting upon them. The unattainable suddenly will be attained. The unreached... Will be reached The lost will be found The captives will be set free The broken hearted will be healed The lame will walk The blind will see The deaf will hear The fearful will gain courage And they've never known before Miracles, signs and wonders Will break out There will be manifestations of the Spirit There will be signs and wonders That will make us wonder But will point to the God of glory Many will yield to the call of God And offer themselves willingly In the day of His power Prayer will become a passion His Word will come alive The lukewarm will be set ablaze And the stories of old will be replaced With the stories that are happening Right now, here and today When the Spirit is poured out Now how will the Spirit come? Try to wrap all this up How will He come? Well first of all You know I'm trying to cover all the bases the Holy Spirit comes to us, right? He convicts us You cannot be saved unless the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin and of righteousness and judgment. And He leads us into all truth, convicts and all that. Then He not only comes to us, He comes where? In us. The temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is the, this is the most in temple on earth. The most in temple on earth is sitting right here in this room. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why He said, be very careful, guard, protect your temple. You destroy your temple, God will destroy you. Do you know what says that? So bodily exercise profits a little. We should be doing something. Some stuff we probably shouldn't be eating. I'm saying probably because it gives me a little grace on that. But you know what I'm talking about? He comes in us. No, no, we got to take care of the temple. Got to take care of it. I won't. I won't even go there. But then, you know, not only that, he comes upon us. Stay upon us. He comes to us. He comes in us, then He comes upon us. Is that in the Bible? The Spirit of God descended upon Him. He was anointed, preached the gospel. The, yes, there are many places. So that He might do what? Work through us. Okay, say to us. In us. Upon us. That He might work through us. Because Jesus said, If any man thirst, let him come to Me and drink. He who believes out of his heart, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water and this he spoke of the holy spirit who had yet not been given amen now I want to read a story can I read to you you know that's what we did during that little break I read Shirley a story I don't need that it's okay but I read her we read from this book I got to read this to you listen to what happened say I'm with you, I'm with you. okay Charles Finney at first you know he wasn't always saved you know that don't you he had to meet the Lord and yet he was looking at what was the Calvinist doctrine you know how they didn't believe much in evangelism and so he thought if I'm gonna get to meet this savior I probably need to don't trust in them they're not gonna leave me to the Lord so he started seeking God on his own he said I was by in no means in a state of mind to go to heaven if I should die. He realized that. And then it says he was struck by these Presbyterian Calvinists. They didn't even believe God much answered prayer. So he concluded their prayers would have little effect. So he decided to seek God on his own. And wouldn't that be amazing if the harvest in America, they said, look, the church ain't going to awaken. I'm just going to seek God on my own. That would, be, that would be amazing. Maybe God do it again. Do it again. Then one morning in 1821, Finney heard an inward voice that said, What are you waiting for? And he wrote this in his diary. He said, At this point, the whole question of the gospel came to me. And I saw his finished works at Calvary and his righteousness. And then he heard another voice that said, Will you accept it now today? God issued the invitation to Charles Finney. He said, Yes. Yes. I will accept it today or I will die in the attempt at trying. And he he didn't die. He got saved. So the Spirit of God came to him. Now, secondly, there's an example of the Spirit coming upon him. He needed the baptism. Now, when he came to him, he obviously came in him. Here he comes upon him. He said, as I turned, he was sitting by the fire one night, I received, now listen to this, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. He called him Holy Ghost." I don't care. Like Bobby said, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. All I know is He's holy and we need Him. He said, without any expectation, without ever having thought that there was even such a thing for me. Without any recollection that I'd ever heard by any person in the world that the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come to me in waves after wave of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed to me like the very breath of God. I can remember distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. I wept aloud and joy, with joy and love. I literally bellowed out of the... Un- Utterable gushings of my heart. And then he admitted that he had no prior knowledge, but the Spirit of God came upon him. And then the Spirit of God worked through him. Now this is what we need. Because all of a sudden he got a revelation out of Psalm 51. The scripture that said, Uphold me, we read this earlier, With thy free spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. And he woke the next morning, and There was a doubt that came. He heard a voice that said, Will you doubt that you were baptized in the Holy Spirit? He said, No, I will not doubt. He believed God. Now listen, I I had to read this two or three times to make sure I was reading it correctly. It said virtually from that point, every single person Charles Finney came in contact with, including his parents, except one. There's always got to be one. Except one. Except one came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and got converted to Christ because they came in contact with Charles Finney. That's what it said. I'm telling you, we need this, we need this anointing. We need this anointing. This, we're not going to get a program that's going to be big enough to save this nation. I don't even know how all this is going to unfold. All I know is we've got to be what we're called to be. And it ain't going to happen on our own accord. It's not going to happen because we have a meeting. Let's have a church meeting today at 4 o'clock of the board. We'll have a board meeting. Everybody will come here and they'll all say, Hey, we're all bored. We're the board. You wanted a meeting of the board. Here am I. I've never been so bored. When the Spirit of God pours out, the board will get excited because of the power of Jesus. I'm telling you. So first of all, okay, how do we receive this morning a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit? We're at the anniversary of the Moravian Revival. When Zinzendorf and a few others would not let heaven go until heaven came down. You know, history records that during that revival, it was written, they did not know whether they were in heaven or on earth. He couldn't tell because the Spirit had come. So what's going to happen? How do, we, how do we get in on what God is up to today? Well, first of all, we're going to pray for everybody. I'm going to pray for release of the Holy Spirit. But you've got to, first of all, make sure you belong to Him. You've got to make sure you're saved. And God challenged us, don't ever, you know, come together without issuing an invitation. A whole church started in Kenya because we gave the invitation. A guy got saved. Then he started, he started worshiping God in his little village or little hut. And people started gathering. Now they have a church. And I'm going to the church in September. I've been wanting to go. I'm going to go to Kenya. It was birth. He got saved. He and his wife, Pastor Joshua. So we got to pray. There's somebody here right now. I, you cannot just come to Jesus when you want to. The Spirit of God has to draw you. There has to be that conviction of sin. I believe there's going to be a day people are going to have to they're going to have to crawl to get in here because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. America needs that kind of conviction again. When you're convicted of sin, you will repent. You'll turn because of the overwhelming drawing power of God. No man can come to him unless he draws them. And so you have to be drawn, but then you have to believe. You have to confess. You say I'm a sinner. I recognize, I acknowledge that I've sinned against God. I, I'm, I'm an adulterer. I'm a liar. I've sinned. And God will forgive me. He paid the price. He sent His Son. I want us to stand right now. I'm going to pray. But there's some in, somebody in this room that needs the Lord. Somebody watching. Needs to know that you're saved. So we're just going to lead you in a prayer. You have to trust Him. You have to ask Him. You have to receive Him by faith. But you got listen. listen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be, what? Saved. This is the hour. That Scripture is going to... That's why we've been having what we've been having. That's why the Spirit's being poured out. That's why prophecy was restored. That's why all these things, for in a moment like this, that whosoever shall call upon Him shall be saved. So if you're watching online or you're in this room, we're going to lead you in a prayer. But you mean it. You pray with me out loud, okay? Just as a reconfirmation of your faith. But just pray out loud. Dear God... I need you. I believe in Jesus. That he is the son of God. That he lived a sinless life. That he died on the cross. And he rose from the dead. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I turn my life to you. I repent. I change. I change my thinking. I change my actions. I choose to follow You this day. And I receive by faith this gift of salvation. Save me, God. Fill me with Your Spirit. And use me from this point on for the rest of my life. I surrender to You in Jesus' name. Now, there are many that need. I know... Many have received a baptism of the Spirit. But I'm telling you, there's a baptism of the Spirit for this hour, for this day, for this time. The first Scripture we read this morning was, As He preached the Word, the Spirit of God fell upon them as He had fallen on us at the beginning. God always does more than what He did before. Yes, He does it again, but it's always more. It always is more than enough for the challenge that we face. So if you want this baptism, just extend your hand out. Just, and let's just get in a, a worship mode. You know, we, I know that Paul laid hands and they received the Holy Spirit. And, and I know that's part of it. But other times they just heard the Word. And the Word of God. The Spirit was poured out as the Word of God was preached. And so let's just receive right now. Lord, we thank you. Just worship Him in your heart. Just worship. Yes, just Lord, we thank you. Just lead us in something, Joseph. That last song we did, thank you, Helen. Come on. That last song was powerful. The chorus to that song. But whatever you, you get, just worship the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you. We honor you. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Listen, we have faith here. How many of you have faith? We're a desperate people. We're desperate. This is a desperate time. Our whole nation needs to erupt. There needs to, listen, the next great awakening has already begun. He's just looking for people now to line up and volunteer in the day of his power. Many will be the company, the host that will proclaim his word. So, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Just continue to worship. I just we wait upon you. We wait upon you. There's one thing that needs to be restored. It's the waiting upon the Lord. You know, just because things don't happen instantly, we wait upon you, God. We wait upon you. We have expectancy in you. We believe you. We give you free reign. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. Come. Spirit of God. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. God, America needs Jesus. America needs a church. Lord, we we thank You that Dinesh's challenge, the death of a nation, only challenges us to arise and awaken. We know the answer to any nation is the church awakening, coming alive with power, living in the glory of the Lord, doing the will of God. Lord, we pray, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. Fall fresh in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you. Just worship. Just worship. Thank you, Lord.